You may be seated. Let us pray together. Father, you've done so much for us. God, you have been so, so good. That though we are sinful and our, and our sin, as Scripture tells us, would, would be like this bright scarlet stain that just screams out our imperfection. That, Lord, you would take that and you would clean it so that it is as white as freshly fallen snow. So white that it is as though the scarlet never even touched us. And that's the work you do, God. That you purify us in such a way that it's as though the sin never even touched us. God, that you would do that not only to save us, but that you would continually do that to us. You would show that much patience with us. You would bear with us that long. You would bear our burdens to that extent. Lord, we thank you for that. We pray now. As we turn to your word, Lord, that you would help us. You would help us to understand our salvation in such a way that it would impact our daily lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you. Maybe you can relate to me in this. When I go to a store, I don't want to talk to anyone. I, if I see a name tag, I just don't want to talk to them. I'm not mean. I don't think I'm mean. I just don't want to talk to them. I'll use the self-checkout. I will uh, really, really, really need an item or be crunched on time before I ask for help in finding that item. I'd rather just wander Menards <laughs> looking for that one thing that you know they have because they have lumber and milk. They have it all. So you know it's there. I'd rather just walk aimlessly looking for it. I'm not rude. I'm just not there to talk to anyone. Well, this is really appropriate behavior for Sam's Club or Menards. But not for church. We ought to come here with an eagerness for engagement rather than uh, coming here like I go to Menards, like I'm there to maybe get a hammer and get my steps in. Like, that's it. But when we come here, oh, I pray and I hope that we would have an excitement and an anticipation for engagement with one another. And honestly, I don't feel that this is necessarily a problem at Westchester. I don't see a whole lot of this when I walk around, I see a lot of friendly engagement and warmth. But I do wonder, I do wonder if we settle short of that and if we leave a lot of goodness on the table in doing so. I wonder just how much blessing we leave on the table by having a lot of conversations that are maybe an inch deep. 
or by, and I'm not, I'm honestly not trying to pick on anyone here. I'm, I'm just not going to say it because it was going to be mean. I will ask this. Do we regularly and consistently come with the expectation and hope that we will be able to share in the life of another person? Do we come here with the expectation and hope that we will be able to carry one another's burdens? That I, I'm, I'm going to church today. I'm going to get to love another believer. Do we come here with that expectation, that hope? Who can I minister to? Who can I care for? And if we're in that position of really needing that care ourselves, who can I ask in this room of glorious people to help me? And so what were your thoughts last night as it pertained to this morning? As you knew that Sunday morning was coming, what was going through your mind on your way here this morning? Were you excited to see other people? <clears throat> Were you dreading it? Did it feel dutiful? Do you have a schedule that is so pressing you out the door that you feel like you, you would wish I would pick up the pace a little bit already? Or are you fully present, not even thinking about the emails that await your arrival at work tomorrow, or at least you weren't until I was mean enough to mention them? But as we think about what expectations we have when we get here, and what it means that we would carry each other's burdens knowing that the Lord carries ours, we absolutely have to look at Galatians 6.2. This is where we get the idea. In Galatians, Paul writes this letter to a church that's having conflict having some deep theological conflict on what it means to really be a Christian, on what you have to do to be saved. And there's some really significant trouble going on. And even at the end of that, and, and I'm saying this to a church that, that we don't have a deep theological conflict going on right now. I'm grateful for that. But this command is no less important to us. Galatians 6.2, it's a simple verse. Maybe you have it memorized. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Or, maybe if you didn't have it memorized, maybe you had the bear one another, another's burdens memorized. I think we're really good at memorizing that. And we leave off the second part. And so fulfill the law of Christ. That elevates bearing one another's burdens, doesn't it? Because if I'm just told to bear one another's burdens, I come and I'm like, oh man, this is such a needy group of people. They're lucky to have me. I don't feel that way about you guys. I think you're a bunch of suckers for having me. I don't know. But, but if we just approach it with bearing one another's burdens then the, the great hymn, They Will Know We Are Christians By Our Loves, really lives up to the dirge sound that it has. 
But when we view that whole verse, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ, It elevates the work of bearing one another's burdens because we look at this law of Christ. This law that Christ gave, this new commandment that Christ gave in John 13, 34, when he said to the disciples, the night before he died on the cross, he said to the disciples, a new commandment I give you. You would love one another as I have loved you. This is different from all the other commandments of love your neighbor as yourself and love your enemy. But this goes to love the way I have loved you. And having bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ shows the significance of Christian community. That we're not just here as a group therapy, but we're here as a gospel care for one another. It shows that God deeply cares about how we gather. It's why we're giving it the focus we're giving it this year. That when we come together, we come together for a purpose. And that purpose is a lot deeper than a group sing. That purpose is, is deeper than just showing up for our own good. That purpose it's for our benefit and for the glory of God. God cares deeply about us carrying each other's burdens, about how we gather to do this. So we have this command from Christ that we love one another just as Christ has loved us. And so what I want to do this morning is a, is a bit of a dive on this verse of how do we carry each other's burdens informed by Christ's love for us, informed by this command that we need to love each other as Christ loved us. What does it mean for us to bear each other's burdens this way? It means this. Bearing one another's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ is a high and worthy calling. A calling that requires us to ascribe affectionate dignity. A few weeks ago, as we were talking about casting our cares on the Lord, we talked about what it means that we cast our insecurities on the Lord, and we talked about Psalm 139, and we talked about self-worth, and so many times we view ourselves as not worth much. But there stands this great fact of capitalism that an item is worth what another person is willing to pay for it. And we know that the Lord paid the blood of his own son to purchase us. And that is what we are worth. We are worth the blood of Jesus. And when we bear one another's burdens... It, it can be tough. It can be exhausting. But to do so without burning out, we must describe this worth not only to us, but to everyone around us, to every believer around us, to look at them and say, wow, that person is worth the blood of Christ. And when we do that, 
we realize that this room right here, this is a pretty expensive room to be in. It's a pretty expensive and exclusive room to be in. As it's filled with people that the Lord of Heaven has paid the absolute highest price for. And you're worth it. In fact, why don't you just real quick look at the people around you and say you are loved and you're worth every bit that God paid for you. Do it right now. All right. You should have gotten that sentence out by now if you're still talking. I mean, come on, guys. It's a problem. All who call on the name of the Lord are saved. They have this worth that they've been bought by the blood of Christ. And they also receive this holy and eternal title as a beloved child of the Most High God. And so when we take a moment and we stop and we look around and we reflect on this, it provides us with a corrective lens. One that we'll, we'll need next week as we talk about bearing with one another in love. But this corrective lens of the beloved eternal holiness of each other enables and fuels us for the work ahead. We ascribe affectionate dignity. You are valuable, you are loved. Same way that Christ and God loved us before we loved him. He made us in his likeness. In ascribing affectionate dignity, we imitate the love of Christ. Affectionate dignity that's not based on what you can do for me, but it's based completely on what God has done for me and you. To fulfill the law of Christ, we need to see each other as fully worth it. And I would argue that even by declaring this reality of God's love for the people around you, that their burdens will begin to be lifted as their loneliness will, be, will begin to be removed by the love of God and their value as a child of God will be affirmed. <clears throat> so let us ascribe affectionate dignity and let us seek inconvenience. In looking at what Paul means by the law of Christ, we are compelled to look more broadly at his writings about what Christ has done, which will naturally take us to Philippians 2. Complete my joy, Paul says, verse 2, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Look at, listen to verse 3 and verse 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Paul goes on to tell us to have the mind of Christ who being very nature with God, being completely equal with God, considered himself nothing and made himself a servant, made himself a man, 
and was humble, humbled himself to death on a cross. In submission to these verses in Philippians, in submission to bearing one another's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ, I need to treat my ego and selfishness as the problem that they are. Because my ego and my selfishness are contrary to the law of Christ. They are counterproductive to the law of Christ. I would even say they are treasonous to the law of Christ. I need to deal with my ego and selfishness and see humility as the way forward. Humility is the key to unlocking this. We will never properly bear one another's burdens if we do not go out of our way, if we do not humbly seek this inconvenience to bear one another's burdens, both physically and emotionally. This laying aside of ourselves is based entirely on what Christ has done for us. As he sought inconvenience, he came to earth, he left all that he was properly entitled to, being very nature God and one with God. And he made himself nothing. And yet how many times in my own life Have I resisted the opportunity to care for someone? Because it would have cost me five to ten minutes. Or a few dollars. How many times have I been too selfish to see that? And not fulfilled the law of Christ? John Owen has a book, Duties of Christian Fellowship. And he has different rules for Christians as they gather. And rule eight, he says, believers must support one another tenderly and affectionately in their various circumstances and conditions, bearing one another's burdens. Listen to what he says here. He says, if we could maintain a spiritual union to anything like the extent of the mutual union of the various parts of our physical bodies, which is the comparison often made, this duty would be performed excellently. No one ever hated his own flesh. If one member is in pain, the other's have very little comfort or ease. Think about the last time you stubbed your toe and how it affected your entire body. A member not affected by the anguish of its companions must be a rotten member, Owen says. How could we not be bothered by a brother or sister in Christ who is carrying burdens unnecessarily alone? Let us join them. And let us model Christ in the incarnation. Christ's incarnation is the supreme example of this. That he came to us. This is about approaching and being present with. The thing is, when we seek out inconvenience, 
it's no longer inconvenient. It loses its inconvenience. When that becomes our priority, it becomes quite convenient, in fact, to carry another person's burdens. A joy. The work of making this seem convenient is two-sided. One, there's this obvious decluttering of our lives that needs to happen so that we can be available enough to disarm the inconvenient excuse that we so often go to. I don't have time for that. My schedule's just too packed. I don't know, I really want to do that, but I don't know where I'd fit it in. And if we can't declutter, we at least need to be bold enough to drop things in our schedule for that which is more important. There's another side to this, though. The one with the burden needs to act in trust that this will not be an inconvenience to those around them. Because Midwesterners, the greatest offense we could give isn't killing a family member of yours, but inconveniencing you. That's the worst thing we could ever do to you. We are, we are full, as Midwesterners, we're full of, oops, sorry's, and often too empty of, can you help? One of the major barriers to bearing one another's burdens and fulfilling the law of Christ is personal pride. And it's not always the pride of I'm, I have too much going on in my own life to help. Often it's the pride of I'm not willing to ask. I couldn't bother them. Sometimes it is too prideful to do simple things, but other times it's just too prideful to ask for help. Edward Welch has a helpful little book called Caring for One Another. And early in the book, he says, humility is simply acknowledges our many sins and limitations and responds with, I need Jesus and I need other people. It is an attractive package that includes trust in God's control, confidence in the Lord's forgiveness and love, and openness that comes not from having to be someone, but from resting in Jesus. Listen to this. It turns out that the simple acknowledgement of our neediness and weakness opens a door to the grace of God where we find confidence, peace, security, wisdom, strength, and freedom in Him. That we could open a door to this grace by asking for help. So we seek inconvenience. We seek inconveniencing ourselves to help others. And we're willing, as hard as this may be for us, to possibly inconvenience another because we have sins and limitations that mean we need Jesus and we need each other. We also extend sacrifice, looking at how Christ gave to us. As we look at, at Jesus, we lose our ability to be idle and uninvolved with one another. If we are going to dare step towards loving one another as Christ loved us, we have to lose our idleness. 
We must act in extending sacrifice that is timely and costly. If these matters were easy, the scriptures would not have to tell us to do them. Especially in an instruction like bear one another's burdens, paired with such a lofty command as the command of Christ. We are unable, <coughs> excuse me, we are unable to love each other like Christ loved us if we do not sacrifice for one another. And sacrifice is impossible without intentionality. It's part of our routine in getting ready for worship. You think about what you do. You do your hair. You confess your sin. You yell at your kids. You confess your sin again. You haven't even gotten in the car yet at that point. But as part of that routine in getting ready to worship, would you consider, maybe it's on your way to church, Maybe it's while you're eating breakfast or doing your devotions that morning. Would you ask the Lord, who can I love today? God, who would you have for me to build up? I don't have any plans on Thursday evening, Lord. Is there someone I can serve on Thursday evening? Is there someone I can care for? Is there someone I can serve while I'm at church? Something I can help with? Be available to be surprised by God. Do you have time in your calendar to care for others? Or are you so beholden to a tight calendar that even a five-minute conversation feels like a sacrifice? Before we can extend sacrifice, we do need to get to know each other. How will we ever know our burdens if we barely know our names? Get involved in an adult Bible fellowship or men's and women's Bible studies. Get involved serving in a ministry and get to know those you're serving with. There's a group of young people who every week go get lunch, bring it back here and eat. They would love it if you got your lunch to go today and brought it back here. What are some other ways we can sacrifice to carry each other's burdens? We can listen and pray. Help with their children. Invite them into your home. Practice hospitality. Hang out with them. As the Lord brings someone to your mind, take just a moment and text them or call them and say, hey, the Lord put you on my mind. How are you doing? What's going on today? Just seek to encourage them. Pray for them in that moment. Feed them. You guys are pretty good at that. Keep it up. Give rides to those people who need them. Use your gifts and resources to help with their needs. And here's a crazy one. Help them walk with Jesus. Share life with them in such a way that you can impact their walk with Christ, that you could have a discipling influence on them. Church, we have a lot of young people who really need old people. People with maturity in their walk with Christ. 
to help them learn to study their Bibles personally. To show them how to pray. To show them how to bear the burdens of one another. To show them how to confess sin. Oh, we need to extend sacrifice to do these things. They won't happen accidentally. But when we do, when we ascribe affectionate dignity, when we seek inconvenience, when we extend sacrifice, we will also increase joy. And I hope you see Christ in here. I've tried to to make him front and center as he loved us before we loved him, ascribing affectionate dignity, as he was incarnated, as he came to earth seeking the inconvenience, as he died on the cross, extending his sacrifice, and as he glories in heaven, increasing his joy. Let's look, think back to that command in John 13. I give a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also love one another. And then listen to the promise that comes with this command. Because this promise, it, it, this command doesn't stand alone, it has a promise. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What a great thing. Isn't that awesome? See, the problem for me growing up is I always heard that verse as a, as a slave dirge. They will know we are Christians by our love. By, you just have this giant man banging a timpani. This is actually a happy thing. Like, I, I want someone to rewrite that song in a major key. Make it happy. Make it joyful. Make it exuberant. As we extend the love of Christ to each other, the love that we have experienced through him, we will remind each other that we are his disciples. Do you ever need that reminder? Do you ever need to be reminded that you're a follower of Jesus? I know I do. Do you ever need to be reminded of Christ's love for you? I sure do. Spare one another's burdens. Fulfilling the law of Christ. And in doing so, there's going to be this increasing of joy as we are reminded of Christ's love for us. And not only that, but it says, it doesn't say in the church will know that they're my disciples. It says that all people will know. The world is going to notice this. The world will see, oh, they follow Jesus. And I, I just want to put this out there. There is no greater apologetic than the love that Christians have for one another. As we care for each other, I think a lot of questions that people have tend to melt away. Celebrate the gospel worth of each other. 
evaluate in your heart, have I been apathetic? Have I been unloving? Do I need to repent of that? Ask the Lord to help you see the need so that you can extend sacrifice. Give the Lord your availability and enjoy the fruit of increasing joy that comes with this. Because God supplies all those things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love of Christ that never runs out. We thank you, Lord, for the love of Christ that has come to us. Lord, that you, Jesus, you made yourself nothing. so that we could call you Lord and have our sins forgiven and have eternal life. Lord, would you continue to open our eyes more and more to this love you have for us and so equip us to love well each other and to bear each other's burdens. Lord, you've brought us together as a community for so many reasons. We pray that you would be glorified in how we use this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray.